Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty in the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg this afternoon. Glad you're with us. Kelly Santer will be joining me later in the show. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, our proud supporters. Right next to the Hattiesburg Mall, you can enjoy their delicious food seven days a week. Take home, dine in, carry out. Uh, Dickie's is there to serve you, and we hope that you will support Dickie's Barbecue Pit. All right, it's Thursday. We go to the coast. Always talk to our friend Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun. Harold Patrick, uh, we have uh, on this show for some time been talking about COVID-19, how it's going to affect sports. Obviously, we have no games to talk about. Uh, You gave me some... Stunning news right before we went on the air. Can you share that with me? Yeah, uh, Mississippi announced uh, 1,092 new COVID-19 cases. Thankfully, the, the death total was only five. Uh, but, you know, but but we all know that's, I don't know, 1,092 cases is far and away the most. Uh, they'd announced over 500 and 600 the last two days, and now we're getting close to 1,100. And that's a, that's a troubling sign. Uh, hospitalizations are slightly up, uh, but whenever you first report cases like this, you really don't see how high hospitalizations can go until maybe a week out or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, this is really troubling, and you see what's happening in the states of Texas and Florida, uh, Arizona. It, I mean, I mean, there was talk back in the spring. There was hope that this the, the spread would slow during the summer, uh, the summer heat, but obviously that has not happened at all. No. Patrick, I know I saw an article. Uh, I can't remember if it was an article or a social media post you made <laughs> earlier this week, and and you asked if if people in restaurants are supposed to be wearing masks. You said you had a, a, apparently uh, you know gone to a number of restaurants down on the right. coast, and none of the people serving you were were wearing masks. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, I'll give credit to uh, Murky Waters and Mosaic. Uh, their waiters are wearing masks, but I, we went other places. To where they were not wearing masks. I mean, that was the waiters, the maitre d, uh, everybody. I mean, it was an upscale, nice restaurant, and they, you know, and I think in the past we've seen, I've seen photos from that establishment where they were wearing masks. I just, you know, it's obvious that, uh, I mean, nobody enjoys wearing a mask, uh, but to me, it, it's absolutely key that people that work in service industry who, who repeatedly come in contact with people, they should be wearing masks, and I think the governor has said that. But it's up to local law enforcement to really enforce that. So I think there's probably going to have to be increased effort to, to get local police departments uh, to really monitor these restaurants and make sure they're doing it. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a troubling uh, trend on that side, too. It feels like people kind of relaxed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we're seeing the numbers we're seeing right now. All right. And, of course, this is a sports show, uh, but you can't ignore the elephant, you know, that sits on your shoulder in the room. Uh, when you see numbers like what we've seen for the last three days, Patrick, unless there's some turnaround, 
if we continue to see this through the summer, there's no possible way, there's no possible way to have big crowds gathering up for high school, junior college, and college football games in the fall. Am I wrong? No, no, you're right. I mean, it's, if this trend continues, I mean, there, there probably won't be uh, many people at all at football games, if any. Uh, I know just a couple of weeks ago that Texas was the state of Texas was talking about playing football this fall at maybe 50% capacity at the stadium. But now Texas is in, is in terrible shape at the moment. The governor is encouraging people to stay home. Uh, the cases are really through the roof there and in Florida. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, things slow down. But uh, right now it's it's really difficult. Sure, I mean, games are probably going to be played this fall, but to, to expect that they'd even be at, you know, 25% capacity would probably be a tall ask. Right. And I know you talk to a lot of coaches, and we talk to some here. And the ones that we've talked to here – Privately, if you're talking to them privately, they don't seem very optimistic about uh, about football right. this fall. I, I had a good friend yesterday that pretty well connected to LSU, which doesn't get much bigger in college sports than LSU, right? And he right. told me that he had talked to quite a number of coaches and administrators at that university privately who are expressing real reservations and real concern about the fall. Do you hear that when you talk to coaches privately, Patrick? Yeah, and honestly, I haven't talked to many coaches because I've been writing so much news here lately. But yeah, I mean, the people I talk to, including parents of, of players, uh, that they're all just uh, really concerned. I mean, we've on the high school level, I've, we've had I've had a parent email me really concerned that uh, you know these kids are having high school football practice, but they're not monitoring uh, the players for symptoms. They're not wearing masks during meetings at Pass Christian High School this week. They shut down practice because one coach. Uh, tested positive, and you know that coach has been around players here recently in a group setting. Uh, so it's you know you, you know these teenagers and and these uh, kids in the early twenties, great shape. They're not they're not vulnerable to the to the virus, but in the long run, if you're playing a season, you know, a, 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 say a Southern Miss player gets it, they're quarantined for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not out there, and any players who came in direct contact with them, there's a good chance they're going to, have to be quarantined as well. And that's the problem here. I mean, yeah, some people talk about, well, those players aren't that vulnerable to the disease, but it could really, really, really hamper the season to where you're having to sit 30% of the team or 40%, and there's a chance you may not be able to play a game. That's, that's the main – that's a big problem that we're kind of ignoring is that the competitive side is not going to be good because some teams maybe uh, have, have a substantial number of players sidelined with the virus. True, you could have teams from very rural areas of the state, some of the smaller rural counties with much less population, that suddenly may be the best team in, in their division because they're the ones that have 90% of their players on the field. Right, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, but, I mean, as we've seen, before, the rural parts of the state have really started to kind of feel the brunt of this. Uh, places like Wayne right. County right. Uh, has been a huge hot spot. So I don't think it really, you know, early on maybe those areas didn't get it, but uh, they're they're really feeling it now. I think it's kind of spread to areas to where it wasn't before, and that's that's a big reason that we're seeing these numbers go up. Patrick, uh, you're in New Orleans and on the coast a lot. What do you see with the general public wearing masks and being precautious in those areas, New Orleans and down on the coast? <clears throat> well, it's, there's no comparison between New Orleans and the coast right now. Uh, the majority of people who are in businesses are just out and about. I mean, they may be walking down the street in New Orleans and they're wearing a mask. 
on the in the co- on the coast. I've been out in Ocean Springs off and on. That's where I live uh, over there, and uh, people aren't wearing masks. They really aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my girlfriend and I would you know took a chance and went out to some uh, businesses, and you know you go in there and we're, we're two out of maybe twelve people who are wearing masks. I'd say eighty percent of people are not wearing masks in Mississippi. And things are, and the disease is obviously still in New Orleans, but but it seems to have plateaued to a degree in New Orleans, and I would attribute that, if that's correct, to people abiding by what state health officials in Louisiana are asking them to do. Yeah, and it was so serious so early on here in New Orleans and Louisiana, and I think people really understood the seriousness of it, and they're they haven't really let up. Uh, the mayor here has been pretty strict. I thought the governor's done a pretty good job. Uh, and that's not a criticism, Reeves. I thought he, I think he's done a fine job. People just aren't following a lot of the guidelines. Uh, they're just maybe going to have to get more strict with it. But in Louisiana, they've done a better job of, of following the guidelines set, especially in New Orleans. Right. Uh, so in your career, you've never seen this much uncertainty about, uh, you know, we're getting into July. And traditionally, you get through the 4th of July and you start counting down to football season. <laughs> that's just not the case this year is it, patrick no i mean it, we're, to me we're just going day to day you know it's 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 the most uncertain time i've ever lived in i think any of for a lot of us any of have been through so every day is different uh it, you know about three or four weeks ago i'm thinking well momentum's headed towards there's a football season and and there'll be games played attendance probably limited but the more news that comes out here and headed into july it's 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 looking it's not looking good with with how how the spread. I mean, we were supposed me and my girlfriend were supposed to be vacationing in Texas next week. We're not going there uh, because of the problems they've got. We're going to rural Arkansas, right, uh, up right. in the mountains, just to kind of isolate ourselves. So that's going to be our vacation is up in the mountains and just away from people. <laughs> well, the Ozarks are beautiful. I can give you some tips on where to go. I've spent a many a summer vacation. Uh, in the Ozark Mountains, it's fantastic. I think uh, I think you'll enjoy it. All right, Patrick, if you'll so. stick around, we've got a really short break. There's obviously another issue affecting college sports right now, right? Uh, in Mississippi, and if if you're good on time, I want to discuss that with you. Sure, sure. All right, Patrick McGee, my buddy from the Biloxi Sun Herald, back on the Eagle Hour, other side of the break. Quick reminder about DBAT and D1 training facilities. You got a softball, baseball player in your family. DBAT is the place to take them to improve their skill level immensely. If you're an athlete yourself, tennis player, golf player, whatever you want to be, D1 is the place to go for training to make you better in your sport. On Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, state of the art stuff. DBAT, D1. Proud to have them on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg this afternoon. Luke off for a couple of days. Kelly joins me in the second half of the show. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. 
We appreciate their support of the Eagle Hour. We hope you'll support them either online at campusbookmart.net or on their Hardy Street location right across the street from the Southern Miss campus. I'm talking to Patrick McGee, a sports writer and now news reporter, I should add as well, for the Biloxi Sun-Herald. COVID-19 has just <clears throat> excuse me, changed a little bit of everything. All right, Patrick, uh, we talked about COVID-19, its effect on uh, on sports. There's, there's something else affecting sports right now in Mississippi. And I don't, I don't really like talking about this stuff, but, again, you can't really ignore the elephant. You had a lot of coaches from a lot of universities in Jackson today uh, lobbying the state legislature to change the state flag. And I got several questions to ask you about this. And I want you to set me straight if, if – uh, if my degree of, uh, of skepticism about this first question uh, is not appropriate, you tell me and, and I'll take your word for it. Uh, I'm a little concerned about having a football coach from Mississippi State and one from Ole Miss, neither of which from Mississippi, neither have lived in Mississippi much longer than 90 days uh, at the state capitol trying to lobby our state legislature. Should I think that way, Patrick? Well, no, I mean, if if we go back, you know, uh, you look at, you know, Dan Mullen, he wasn't from Mississippi. You know, a uh, uh, bunch of coaches have come through. They've kind of become, I know they just got the job. They just got here. But unfortunately, you know, uh, uh, it's people listen to football coaches. And if they show up and tell them, if they tell them, it's like, we can't get the student athletes that we need until we, you know, uh, get a new state flag or, you know, it hurts my university if we don't get a new state flag. I think people listen to that. And there, there was a reason they didn't speak today at the press conference. It was Kermit Davis, who's from Mississippi, and Nikki McRae, the, the women's basketball coach, who's from Tennessee, and she's new, and she obviously has interest, interesting perspective as one of the few uh, uh, black coaches for a major program in the state. So they spoke, so he understood why. I mean, they, they didn't trot out Leach and, and Kiffin at the front of this, uh, but I mean, it was. I thought it went across okay with how they handled it. I think everybody was up there. It wasn't just you know, say Kiffin and Leach. Really, the vast majority of all coaches. I mean, Delta State. Everybody sent coaches. Jay Hobson wasn't there because we know his father died this past weekend. Uh, uh, but his brother Briggs Hobson is a big proponent of changing the state flag. He's a Republican state senator. Uh, so I, you know. If you watched it, it was it was fairly compelling the way it was put on in uh, the press conference, and then you have Philip Gunn, the House Speaker, get up and, and talk. But you've really seen a push from religious leaders in the state, uh, business leaders, and now you see coaches. So I, I think really you've seen it from all corners. It's just not the coaches. It's just Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach are a small part of this. Right, and I don't. I don't. I think it's inevitable now. I, I think it's going right. to happen. I think it'll probably happen in the next few days. I don't think there's going to be any vote by the public. I think the the politicians yeah. are, are are simply going to make that decision. What spurred this? Do you think, from the perspective of the sports world, I have to think it was the threat of taking championship tournaments away from these schools, and I and I think it's that, and and the thought of losing money. Am I wrong or am I right? No, I, well, I think that put it over the top. I mean, I think there was a discussion going on prior to, to last week, but whenever the NC2A came in and and uh, uh, showed its weight and, and said it's not bringing its championship events to Mississippi anymore, uh, you know, I, I think that pushed things along. SEC, Conference USA, uh, really it was going to impact everybody outside of, say, the SWAC schools and the Division II programs, something like that. 
but everybody knows whenever you come in, you know, Ole Miss and State and Southern Miss and say you won't be able to host any uh, NCAA regionals or conference tournaments, that that says a lot. That's gonna that's gonna get across to a lot of people who maybe weren't really tuned in before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think you're right that it, that, it, that kind of pushed it that way. Well, we know what they were ultimately talking about were baseball, right? <laughs> Postseason baseball yeah. tournaments. That's that's really what they were talking about. That's really that's really the the you know the the hammer they held over everybody's head. Am I right? Right, and uh, the women's basketball. Right. Know, Mississippi State's been a Starfield's been a site for the women's basketball tournament uh, the last uh, few years. So I think that was also. I mean, this is these are money generators uh, for all those communities. And, uh, you know, in the time, you know, in June, when that, those towns are usually dead. And when you got a regional, those towns are hopping. Right. It's basically like having another weekend of, uh, of a football game, if not more. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Right. Patrick, uh, as, we move into, as we move into the fall, and we're, we're not going to rehash all of, the, all of the individual things that have come up, but there's been a lot of, been a lot of unrest at a lot of universities uh, around the country. And, a lot of unrest by the African-American players at some schools. And I just wonder, if you look at this thing overall in a big picture, how, how to what degree is all of this going to affect sports this fall? Or is this something that uh, will, will pass in time? And, and when football starts, if it starts, it'll all just be about sports. Or do you see politics creeping in to college and professional sports the remainder of the year? Well, all I can really kind of speak to as it relates to Mississippi, I I think it improves the condition greatly for these programs in the state in terms of recruiting talent. Uh, You know, whenever, you know, say Alabama or even, you know, just any other program, Louisiana Tech would go in and recruit a kid that's considering a Southern Miss or Mississippi State, uh, there's a decent chance they're going to bring that, that, you know, that state flag up. Uh, So, you know, once it's gone, that's one less issue that, you know, coaches in the state, and uh, athletes in the state have to worry about it's it's one thing that that's not going to weigh things down uh so i i think it's it helps in that regard but in terms of the 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 racial debate i i think in a way it becomes more open because i think people have become more understanding and more accepting uh, of what of the hardship of the black experience in america is and i think that's the positive is that there's a little bit more empathy and a little bit more regard for your fellow mississippian and fellow american so I, I think the discussion is going to be heated for a while at times, but in the long run, I, I think even in the short term, I think things have gotten a little bit better. Do you feel like other universities outside of Mississippi have actually used that against Mississippi schools when it comes to recruiting kids? No doubt. No doubt. Really? Uh, I, I think any coach would probably, especially on the foot, in, in, when it comes to basketball, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the state of Mississippi is not regarded as a good college basketball state. And I think it's, you know, that's a sport that is uh, predominantly an African-American sport on the court. Uh, so it's, it's really been a burden on that side, I think. And in football, I have no doubt it's coming to play there, too. I'm, I, I know coaches in the past have complained about it being a problem. It's, it's not something for every uh, athlete to say if you miss out on one, on one in five kids because of the uh, state flag. Uh, over time, that adds up. You're not getting the kids that you really want. Right. Well, that's interesting, and that, uh, that's an interesting uh, perspective that you bring up. I appreciate you sharing that with us. Just a couple sure. of minutes left. If we have football, and I, and I, I, boy, I tell you, every day, I, every day, I become less less optimistic about that. 
In the last two minutes, summarize what you think we'll see out of the big three this year. Uh, as far as what the season will look like? Right. What, how good will they be? Uh, you know, at Mississippi State, I'm not optimistic for year one under Mike Leach. I mean, uh, Moorhead didn't even have the personnel to run the system. I don't think Leach really has it there. At Ole Miss, I think you'll see progress. At Southern Miss, they should be pretty good. Uh, but as, we all, as we've all seen with Southern Miss, Southern Miss is always, you know, two or three injuries away from being a fairly mediocre team. Uh, for Southern Miss to go through a season – uh, to where they have, you know, players sidelined with, uh, th- because of the virus or, uh, maybe half the defense is out that game. I mean, that's, but, you know, if every team's doing, <laughs> I guess it's a level playing field. I guess. <laughs> uh, but Southern Miss just doesn't have quite the depth that, you know, some, you know, the bigger programs do in the SEC. So, uh, it would be a challenge for a group of five just because you don't have the depth that these other teams have. So, right. uh, it's really wait and see. There's a lot of chaos, a lot of uncertainty and, I have no idea really what any of these teams are going to look like. Is it fair to say that gap has just gotten wider in recent years between State, Southern, and Ole Miss? Yeah, and I think the big difference is on the offensive and defensive lines, and it goes back to that Independence Bowl against Florida State to where Florida State was basically running with a second-string offensive line and defensive line, and they just pushed Southern Miss around. And it's just become more pronounced. Colleges are doing it. Big schools are doing a better job of recruiting in uh, singling out talent or going to places where they didn't necessarily find it before, places where Southern Miss could kind of come in and get some guys. Uh, but up front, on the both sides of the line, it's just it's been really tough. And we saw that, I think it's fair to say, when Southern played Mississippi State the last time. They were just unable, right. unable to control yeah. the line of scrimmage. And I know I've said this before, but I was on the field uh, at the Independence Bowl and just happened to be by the door when the Florida State linemen came out to warm up. I took about three steps back then and, and began to think about the trip home because <laughs> yeah. it looked like an NFL team coming out of the locker room. And uh, and as you say, that was mostly second string. So the gap certainly continues uh, to widen. All right, right, Patrick, I appreciate your time, man. And uh, glad, you, glad you're going to get a little vacation from your news <laughs> slash sports reporting job. And I hope you stay safe. Have a good time. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Patrick. Patrick McGee, everybody, from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, the finest sports reporter in Mississippi and the one sports reporter that covers Southern Miss. So I hope you'll keep that in mind and support Patrick and the Biloxi Sun-Herald. All right, Kelly Sander, he's somewhere. We'll locate him. We're not going to let him in the building, but we're going to let him on the show next. Southern Miss to the top. I want to thank our buddy Patrick McGee. Great insight into some of uh, his observations about COVID-19 in sports. Uh, all the social justice mess taking place in sports. We appreciate Patrick uh, very much. This segment sponsored by our good buddies at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Kelly and I love the place. Great sandwiches, uh, great lunches, five days a week. We enjoy the memorabilia. We miss going down there to 4th Street Bar and Grill. You can go. Uh, and, Kelly, how, how much of those lunches? I just can never. 
They're eight ninety five still, Bob. And by really? the way, the pool the pool tables are open. Got to sh- got to shoot a little pool this uh, past weekend, and there's they're playing darts and and Booty's got trivia games going all the time. So uh, fun place to hang out. Yeah. All right, Kelly. Uh, we like to have a good time on the show. Some days here lately, it seems difficult to talk about anything really upbeat. Patrick uh, telling us uh, early. Uh, in the program uh, that uh, a stunning 1,000-plus cases of COVID-19, new cases reported in Mississippi in the last 24 hours, that that tops the all-time one-day total by almost 400, well, a little over 400 cases. And uh, coincidentally, not coincidentally, uh, the Junior College Association announces some COVID changes uh, with the upcoming fall football schedule. And, and let us bring you up to date. This is, this is really brand new, fresh information uh, from the, the MACJC, the Mississippi Association of Community and Junior Colleges. They, have, they normally schedule a nine-game season for football in the fall. They have changed that. Now they're, go- they're going to go to an eight-game schedule. It's, it's one game, but... But by going to an eight-game schedule, they'll be able to push the start of the season back to September 10th. Normally, the junior colleges are the first football teams to get on the field for games that count, and those are normally you know, the 17th through the 22nd of August, somewhere in there. But now, game one will be played on September 10th. The final schedules won't be released in the MACJC until uh, they get everything together to where each school with them playing eight games, they want to try as best they can to make sure that each school has four home games and four road games. Okay, so they've decided that. But then the next question I asked officials is, okay, what about you know fans? Are you going to have unlimited fans? The AAC announced yesterday that they are going to limit marching bands and cheerleaders and pom-pom squads and all support personnel. They're going to limit the number of uh, people that can accompany football teams, whether on the road or at home. So that was a question. And two, what, what, what about support personnel for the junior colleges? What are we going to do there? Um, and, of course, every follow-up question was, we don't know yet. We don't, we don't know yet. We're not sure. We're looking into that. That's not a criticism. It's just that they just now have decided to play the eight-game schedule starting September 10th. Uh, all these other blanks they will have to fill in as time goes on. That's if there's going to be a season. Now, people following the MHSAA on social media, the Mississippi High School Activities Association, they've published a statement saying they are, they are planning for the season uh, to go on as usual. But there were three big words in that publication that a lot of people missed, and those are the three words, as of now. And then, of course, Patrick breaks the news that over a thousand new cases in Mississippi. So that, as of now, is exactly what it means. As of this hour, this story continues to develop, and I think everybody will agree. Certainly, from a number standpoint, the story is getting worse, not better. And logic would dictate that uh, the as of now could certainly change at any time. So again, it's it's nice to be optimistic, but you do have to remember the words in context as of now. And uh, the junior colleges have set those dates, but everything there too as of now. Some things haven't been decided yet. So um, Major League Baseball now, Bob, they have have determined that they're going to go back to work and play games that count starting uh, July 24th and play a 60-game schedule. 
And you asked yesterday, how, how are these schedules going to look? Well, they'll be released this weekend, but the general rule of thought is, again, there will be no American and National League this year. Everybody's going to kind of play whoever is closest to them on the block, so to speak. And they will all use the designated hitter instead of having pitchers hit for themselves. So a schedule, ideally, might consist of uh, five teams in your geographical area. For example, the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Kansas City Royals, and the Minnesota Twins are all pretty close together on the map. So they would get to play you know, home and away games. But there's a thought that you would play each of those teams ten times. Mm. So you might only play five teams or you know, six teams, but you'd play them each ten times. So your schedule would be very limited as far as uh, who you'd be getting to play. And, of course, if you're in the same neighborhood with the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, and you know, the Blue Jays, some of those really you know, good teams, or the Washington Nationals would certainly be in that category, then that wouldn't be so good for you. But that's, that's the way it's going to look. They're, they're going to play geographically close teams and probably 10 games apiece and then let that determine uh, who's going to make the playoffs. But there will be 10 playoff teams as it is now. But, again, these numbers are startling, and it's, it's nothing new. You know, uh, right. Florida now starting to reclose restaurants that were opened. So, yeah. Kelly, uh, will, will the eventual World Series winner this year ever really be considered a legitimate World Series winner if they have a season like that? If that, you know, who, whoever wins it, the players will insist it because they would get a bonus. they would say yes we're legitimate champions as the rules were set forth you know we were the best team so i get that but bob this this year is going to be so memorable in so many different ways you know and it won't be just in sports (laughs) and not good ways i don't think yeah you'd have to put an asterisk by this year um you know, there was a song that Zager and Evans put out back in the 60s. <laughs> Remember in the year 2525 or whatever? I know, yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. of this stuff yeah. is starting in 2020. Right. Well, and the good news, Kelly, is the big giant uh, dust storm from Africa is headed our way. And uh, well, I saw the map last night. It's coming right over South Mississippi. We're excited yeah, about so that. Yeah, La- so Las Vegas, in a way to keep up with things and wanting people to get out their betting dollars, is that they're now taking odds of which gets here first, the Sahara Sands, or the killer hornets, you know, <laughs> which, which ones will arrive first? Or a rioting mob in your neighborhood. I mean. uh, you never, yeah, that, they can throw that in there, too, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's something all right. They want to come tear down the pine trees in your front yard. <laughs> yeah, which, which one's going to do it first? Oh, me, Kelly Sander. Well, so, Kelly, when you're out in the morning taking your, uh, getting your morning exercise, you know, taking your morning drive, are, right. are, you, are you thinking about all these things, or are you just listening to music and letting the air blow in your face? Yeah, that's all I do, Bob. Is I just, it. you know, just just kick back, drive around a little bit, look at look at everybody else outside of my car, thinking to myself, mm-hmm. "You poor sap." Listen to a little Johnny Mathis while you're cruising down the highway. It's just life's good, you know. isn't it, Kelly? Well, you know, and, and you know how I'm into gangster rap. I'll tune in yeah. some, of, some of that as well. Yeah. But hey, you get, you would, <laughs> I know you and I are both big fans of the NFL, and of course, you know the NFL has canceled the Hall of Fame game, right? Uh, so that's that's off the table. So what is that telling you now about the about the NFL? Who you knows? know what, what's going to go on there? 
Yeah, you know, um, that that was that was really something you look forward to at the court. You get toward the end of summer, and that was a sign things were really, really getting close. But uh, you wonder, you know, your your favorite player, Tom Brady, is uh, we haven't talked about this this week, but he is defying the NFL Players Association who have asked him to all stop these joint voluntary workouts because they're trying to keep the virus tamped down. But uh, your boy Tom says, mm, I'll do what I want to do. Well, he is Tom Brady after all. He's next in line. LeBron James, God, and then Tom Brady. Correct. I mean, right. We right. kind of talked about it. But, I mean, the fact that, yeah, I mean, I got so desperate for football last year in July. I was watching Canadian football on yeah. ESPN. Was probably not going to be that either, Kelly. I hate to break that to you. No. But, uh, you know, I don't. Of course, there's always the uh, the Johnsonville Cornhole Championships on, <laughs> on, on ESPN, where it's very easy to social distance. Uh, yeah, and of course, and I admire what great shape those cornhole players are in. You know, right? Seeing these guys, you know, yeah, it's sort of like when USM travels. I don't know, Texas El Paso, he plays football. Social distancing, just they've been practicing it for years. I mean, there won't be anything to adjust to there. Yeah, Texas El Paso, they're going, crowd? <laughs> we got that licked. We got that covered. That's not going to be an issue. They should have yeah, let, let them play baseball all year. It wouldn't hurt a soul. The best way to deal with crowds is don't have one. <laughs> best way to deal with crowds and social justice. I mean, social distancing, join Conference USA. I mean, that, that could be the logo. You know, that could that, be the new slogan. Really should, yeah, they should, uh, they should do that. We've got to get out of Conference USA. Yeah, when we come back, uh, I'm going to talk to you about something Patrick and I discussed a little bit, and that is all the coaches, not all the coaches, but many coaches from all of the universities in Mississippi were in Jackson today asking the legislature to uh, you know, to change the state flag. I had, I had a comment and a question, more of a question to him about coaches who maybe haven't even lived in Mississippi for 90 days are up there lobbying the legislature. Uh, He had an interesting thought about that. I want to hear your thoughts about that. And uh, then we're going to wrap the day up with some kind of fun news, Kelly, that I I think uh, you'll enjoy. Eagle Hour is continuing. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back. Glad you're with us on a Thursday afternoon. This segment sponsored by our good friends at Toyota of Hattiesburg. Huge inventory of new, used, and pre-owned vehicles, cars, trucks, SUVs, right here on Highway 98 West in West Hattiesburg. Great service department. One of the biggest car dealerships uh, you'll find in the South and uh, a great place for you to buy a new or pre-owned vehicle, and we thank them for their support of the Eagle Hour. My buddy Kelly Sander is with me. Kelly, uh, a lot of a lot of sports coaches from around uh, the state uh, in Jackson today. Uh, we did have uh, our basketball coach scheduled, but I uh, couldn't reach him. I assume he he may be there as well. Uh, I asked Patrick McGee something uh, that kind of struck me this morning, and 
and that is that um, two of the coaches, the football coach at Mississippi State and the football coach at Ole Miss are brand new, neither from Mississippi, neither have even really lived in Mississippi, probably more than 90 days. Uh, Bother you in any sense that they're up there lobbying the state legislature about a state flag? No, and I'll tell you why, Bob. Uh, The the reason it doesn't bother me is, is it could very well be that they've spoken to their, and you would think logic would dictate that they would have spoken to some of their players and said, you know, where where, where do you guys stand on this? And how, how do you really feel about it? And any coach that's worth his salt is going to go to bat for his players. You know, so so a lot of coaches won't look at it as a as an individual issue for them. They'll look upon it as a as a as a team issue. And if it's causing any any problems in your team uh, chemistry. Then it needs to be addressed. So, and again, they're they're just voicing their opinion. I, the, the legislature. I know everybody says that the people should vote on it, but I want the legislators to vote on this because we elect legislators to represent us. You know, and that means sometimes you're going to have to make a tough call. Mm-hmm. All right, you got to vote the way you think your constituents would vote. Every time it seems, and I'm not, I'm not just picking on the Mississippi legislature, I'm just picking on politicians in general. Anytime there's going to be a sticky topic, they always say, well, people should vote on it. Well, why are we sending you up there then? If we, if we need to vote on everything, what do we need you there for, Mr. and Mrs. State Representative or State Senators or whoever? You know, do your job and, right. and vote, vote the way you think your constituency would vote and then let the chips fall you know where they may, right? Um, but but I you know I, I just think that coaches uh, lots of times are are, are going to defend their players, and if it's been an issue for their players, it's it's, a, it's an issue for them. Patrick indicated to me as well that he thought a lot of opposing schools in other states used that that as a wedge when when they were recruiting the same kids that maybe some of the schools here were recruiting that they were actually using that quote unquote flag issue as a wedge to try to stick between the kids and the schools that surprise you no no i mean bob all's fair in love war and education and sports mm-hmm. and i mean you're going to use you know it's what you know that coach is not going to be there next year you know that's another one you know right. you had a bad season he ain't going to be there next year and some guy's going to come in and he's not going to like you and you're not going to get to play anything and everything they can use against you Right. But I would say, you know, on a personal note, and I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, but if we change the flag as a state, you know, if we change the flag, then I want every school that has not flown the flag for the past four or five years, I want any city that hasn't flown the flag to start flying them again. Right. Right. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, if they're, if they're going to take our tax dollars, then, you know, if we change the flag, then we change the flag. You know, I, I certainly don't, I don't have a problem with it one way, one way or the other. But when, when, if we change the flag, then this new flag ought to be one that everybody's going to fly. Right. All right, so. Kelly, got about 90 seconds left. We don't get to talk about win streaks anymore because there's nobody playing. But I have a win streak I want to run by you today. It has been quite a, uh, it has been quite a, a, a past week, 10 days for the left. They're on a win streak. They have uh, they have managed. Now, the latest is it was announced today that Disney is doing away with Splash Mountain, a very popular ride there. 
Uh, that has been determined to be an insensitive name. It will be renamed the Princess and Frog Mountain, uh, which will be thus named after Disney's first minority princess. So the left is on a win streak, Kelly. Uh, they've defeated rice. Uncle Ben's is no longer going to have Uncle Ben's rice. They've defeated pancake syrup. Aunt Jemima's gone. She's thrown out to the curb. They've defeated ice cream. Eskimo pies will be no more. And now Splash Mountain falls victim. This is the most impressive winning streak we've seen since the COVID-19 outbreak. Well, I, I, the one you chalk up the most credit to is Splash Mountain. I can see the arg- I can at least see the arguments for the other one, but Splash Mountain, I don't, I don't get that one <laughs> at all. Well, it, it was supposedly it was a uh, it was patterned after a song in 1946 called "Song of the South." Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay, so you know, 46. That was golly. You and I weren't even. You weren't even. I wasn't even alive in 1946. How long ago no, was, was that, Kelly? I was. Other than Song of the South, it was a great year, 46. <laughs> Other than that song, right? 46 yeah, was right. a was a year to remember, right, Kelly? I thought it was a dud when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> and you would know. I mean, you are a musical expert, no question. All right, Kelly. You and I again tomorrow till one o'clock. Right, Bob, looking forward to it. Southern Miss. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I wanna fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.